Hi, this is Megan Ball, and you're listening to Carrying Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then try to find the silver lining, or flip it into something that, while possibly not positive, will at least be productive. How are you, Brock? Hey, I'm Brock Wilbur. <laughs> you are Brock Wilbur. Oh, fuck, I did. <laughs> you want to start? Will, I need you to keep no. that. No, we're not redoing it. I want everyone to hear how you steamrolled <laughs> no. me in the intro to the show I invited you to co-host. <laughs> It's fun. I'm doing well, Megan. How are you today? I'm so sorry. I have it written up here, and I just totally fucking... Mm. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. This is good. Um, my day is fun. Uh, I, local journalism means uh, writing up people that are um, organizing uh, maskless floods of local retail stores to defend their uh, liberties somehow. It's so far removed from anything that would qualify as a liberty that I'm... I'm unsure what we're even doing anymore, but it it's actually almost nice to me. <laughs> like, I think the internet broke my brain years ago. And it's just nice to know that no one's immune from it. I, th I think that that's been sort of an interesting through line of all of this, because like the the guitarist from the band of the Deftones, I, I just adore that band and their new album is, is just wonderful, dark and beautiful and, and, and inspiring. Uh, and he's been doing the podcast rounds lately. And like the things that he believes are like, QAnon squared uh. and I'm just like oh and I'm like when people ask him where he got it from he's like oh I watch a lot of like YouTube so like literally anybody a guy that's so smart he can play a nine string guitar that guy was just equally broken and has like no questions about it he just knows all these things now about this parallel reality that we live in I'm like okay so it can get anyone I think it's funny when people are like that could never happen to me I'm like that's already happened to you if you're on Twitter at this point like things have changed in your brain chemistry over the years like it's not as ludicrous as all that but there's there's plenty how are you today <laughs> I'm good I'm going to shock you I watched a movie I love knowing that you did this <laughs> just to tell me about it i love knowing that you definitely for days sat on this information rather than texting me so you could surprise me on air and i am delighted it was worth it what did you watch i watched suspiria the 2018 one wonderful a friend of mine named hazel and i are doing a tilda swinton watchathon so every weekend we watch a tilda swinton movie and this is now the most recent film i've seen from 2018 <laughs> you picked a good one and it's long enough to be several and multiple Tilda Swinton yeah. roles, uh, which is It was great. fantastic. I loved it. I watched the original one in college and forgot everything about it. And this one was just amazing. If you haven't seen the remake of this movie, first and foremost, the Tom York soundtrack is wonderful. It is. And will completely dissociate you from the movie because suddenly you hear the Radiohead guy singing and you're like, I'm not sure what this has to do with a ballet school, but I think I like it. So much to love about that film, and I'm glad that that's something that you watched. Yeah, no, I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was great. And usually I'm not one for, like, horror movies because, again, they kind of freak me out a little when they're too gory. But this was the perfect amount of horror. It was just absolutely perfect. I really, really enjoyed it. Okay, good. I'm glad that I can dial in now knowing what your level of horror is. I can, I can start giving you recommendations in this vein. That feels good. Yeah. That's about where I like to be. That's like the sweet spot right there. I, I don't like anything that's super gory or like tortures people. I think that's a little bit too far. But I also want a horror movie to be scary because it's a horror movie. But I just don't like gory stuff. 
And that's just because I have a very overactive imagination and I will be thinking about it at three o'clock in the morning. Do you have a story for us today? I do have a story for us today. And I'm, I'm sure it's probably one you've heard of, but I wanted to touch on it because it doesn't really get mentioned now because it's more of a hoax, but I used to be obsessed with it when I was a child. I want to talk to you today about the Hope Diamond. Are you going to tell me that the Hope Diamond is fake? I'm going to tell you that the stories around the Hope Diamond are fake. It actually is an actual diamond, and it's actually, you know, worth a ton of money. I, I was sure, and then I was very confused <laughs> as to why this was going to be a hoax, and I was just like, I don't know. We just talked about how the internet and pop culture can completely break your brain. Certainly the Hope Diamond has been featured in movies and TV shows for my entire life. It could have just been everybody sharing a made-up thing. I've not seen it, so sure, have at it. Yeah, I have seen it, actually. It's in the Smithsonian Museum. It's gorgeous, and it's way bigger than you think it is, and it shines really, really nicely under all those lights. But yeah, the fact that it was thought to be cursed and had all these people associated with it who died under terrible circumstances, mostly all fake. So we're, we're doing a Tut's Tomb situation here, where there's some of it, but not in, as much as you think. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one of those type of things. And I, I don't know why no one talks about it anymore. Because I remember when I was a kid, it used to be on, like, whole new segments and, like, PBS specials. Like, I had a Children's National Geographic that was only about the Hope Diamond and, like, the mythology around it. And I was obsessed with that little magazine. It's just one of those things that I guess was, like, a thing back in maybe the 80s or 90s. And now everyone's like... Oh, it's a shiny rock. No one cares. No, but it's actually really fascinating. And I'm going to tell you why it's fascinating. It's still considered one of the biggest diamonds in the world. It's 45 carats. It came from what is now considered India. And it was cut by a famous French jeweler in 1666. And it was given to the French royal family as part of the French crown jewels. It was stolen from the French during the French Revolution. And it was cut into smaller stones, which is now where we have the Hope Diamond. It got the name from a British banking family where it turned up in the 1800s, just out of the blue. And it made its way through different parts of society until getting to a socialite named Evelyn Walsh McLean in the 1920s. And she got it from Pierre Cartier, who's one of the most famous jewel makers in probably all of recorded history. I was going to say, it just makes sense that at some point it was a, it was a Cartier. Yeah. Like, he was just like, sure, this is mine for a bit. Yep. And then it was sold to Harry Winston, who's maybe one of the other most famous um, jewelers in the world. So much so that he's name dropped in Marilyn Monroe's Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend number from Gentlemen for Blondes. So Harry Winston had it, and he's the one that gave it to the Smithsonian. But it's currently worth $250 million, and the Smithsonian's had it since the 50s. But what makes this interesting is that for a very long amount of time, there was this idea of a curse around this uh, necklace. Nowadays, we thought we think it was started by Evelyn Walsh McLean for like PR. But there's a whole like reams and reams of like newspapers and TV specials of things that are, were attributed to this terrible necklace. There's ideas that it was stolen from a Indian temple. It used to be the eye of a great statue, and now anyone who holds it is cursed, which is definitely like what you said, like a curse of Tutankhamun type of situation. But the first recorded thing we have of there being a mythology around this is from 1908 um, from the Washington Post. And they wrote an article about all the, like a ream of people who've had misfortunes happen to them because of this. And all the ways that people were supposedly killed by this are just amazing. Suicide, killed by Russian rev revolutionaries, murder, falling off a mountain, imprisoned and tortured, hanging, 
torn to pieces by wild dogs in Constantinople, killed by French revolutionaries, scorned by your lover the cane and then dying of heartbreak, lawsuits, and losing all your money and dying destitute. Those are all the things that the Hope Diamond apparently did to people. So somebody died by lawsuits? Yeah, lawsuits is one of the causes of death, apparently, if you go by this article from 1908. <laughs> I do want to see a man sued to death. There's some people, I think, that would be worthy of that. But somebody who owns the Hope Diamond is definitely a, a rich person that is not very kind to others. Uh, you just don't get that much money. No, no. And um, they've done studies and found that most of these people either didn't exist or, you know, died of old age, or didn't die the way that it was said they did, or, you know, were just straight up made up. I wanted to turn out, though, that the one that was true was the man who died via lawsuit. Yeah. Like, that's the only one. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? And a lot of them were like, like, oh, Marie Antoinette might have owned this. And it's like, okay, well, then we'll put down, you know, killed by a guillotine. And it's like, that doesn't really count, though, does it? I like instead that we're reverse engineering my eat the rich comment from previously, that instead it's just like... You know, every rich person that ever died terribly, they all owned it at a different point. Yeah. Um, there was an article written in the New York Times from 2006 where they say that the Hope Diamond might be a precursor to the idea of, like, stolen treasure and the curses behind it. And they went on to link it to everything from, like, Tut to the idea of Indiana Jones in the first film stealing the Golden Idol and the, the misfortune that comes from that. So they think that the Hope Diamond's one of the early precursors of why that's kind of also a thing. But now it's owned by the Smithsonian, and they haven't had any problems befall them. And they keep changing out the settings every so often. They have it in a necklace right now. And it's, again, beautiful. If if you ever have a chance in the aftertimes to go see it at the Smithsonian Museum, I definitely suggest it because it's gorgeous. But yeah, apparently this was a huge thing that everyone thought was 100% true, reported on PBS and Nightline. And, and apparently the Hope Diamond's just a really pretty expensive necklace. And that's just one of those things that pop culture was like, hey, it's cursed. I love that this ties into your previous story about the the British Empire and people like snorting mummy dust yeah. <laughs> uh, as an aphrodisiac. Because like, it's so fascinating because you associate like curses with the concept of like the Middle Ages. And instead, it's really fascinating to know that like people only did that because the idea of the mummy's curse didn't yet exist. And the idea that more recently than we'd be comfortable with, the idea of curses really found its other footing like the number of things that we weren't afraid of in a ridiculous way until modern times yeah and it's funny how that gets reverse engineered like you know the idea of a murder mystery where the butler does it and how that's like such an overused terrible thing right we can go back and look at literature and we can't find where that started we can only find an article saying how that's an overdone trope and then the first detective story we can find that uses that comes two years after that article that rules. It's just random how you think something is ancient or like the Hope Diamond, like it's set in stone. This is like the idea behind it. Definitely people who owned it died. And then you dig into it a little bit deeper and you find out that, no, it's recent and it's all made up or, you know, we can't find a good reason why it happens. So I don't know. I just think that's a really interesting thing about, you know, human society and culture and the way that we create mythology even with modern artifacts it's it's like the maltese falcon it's the stuff that dreams are made of more like the hopeless diamond right, <laughs> folks. you're a comedian <laughs> i'm not a good one i i mean i get paid but that doesn't qualify anything you've seen comedians uh, uh, I... no i think maybe the hopeless diamond is like just a giant 
a, a similarly sized chunk of like pitch black coal. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, we call it the diamond, like ironically, but yeah, it is a, a large piece of coal. You never know. You never know. What's your carrying into the void here? Few things in this world are perfect. Fewer things in this world are once in a lifetime objects of such beauty or such malevolence. But here you are, pulled from the earth, hewn into shape, and polished until you gleam. They will write stories about you, legends and lies, and maybe even a truth once in a while for the sake of novelty. Let them talk. None of it will matter. None of them will matter. You are a true diamond in the rough, forged into your true self through time and tribulation, and oh, how brightly you shine. I like it. Oh, thanks. What do you have for us this week? So something has uh, changed in the sky, uh, which is always a good thing. We always love to see the sky change, don't we, folks? Here's the thing. Uh, scientists are now seeing black holes. Seeing black holes? Seeing black holes. The thing that light is sucked into at such a rate that it, it, it cannot have a visible spectrum. We're, we're starting to see it, uh, which is, again... Uh, a portender of, of, of good things on the event horizon, I'm sure. So back in the 1970s, there was a grad student uh, working in theoretical physics, and he sort of had this idea that, like, what does a black hole do when someone fucks with it? Like, what happens if you go up and you flick the black hole or you, like, ring a bell near it? Like, what does the black hole do? And he sort of figured, figured along the lines of, like, Albert Einstein's theory of gravity, like... This would cause the black hole to oscillate at a frequency with multiple overtones, and the oscillations would fade quickly as the black hole radiated gravitational waves, ripples in the fabric of space itself. It was just sort of this thing that he wrote as a student. And then five years ago, uh, scientists found out, uh, yeah, that's actually what happens. You, you, you flick the black hole and uh, it, it shakes a bit and it, it shakes time in the process. Wow. Uh, and so that happens when the black hole interacts with things, which uh, this guy is now one of the head guys in his field. And he was just like, yeah, they called me to tell me that. And I didn't believe it. And now it just feels like I'm living in a weird dream. Because, yeah, I, I don't think anything I ever wrote in college should ever come true. Uh, and I wasn't in the sciences. So. <laughs> Basically, what's happened is that they've used this information to start observing black holes, and we've seen a couple of them now that merge with other black holes. Oh, that can't be good. The reason we know it's happening is because when they do so, they both set off these vibrations and they go at, at basically different frequencies. So when they hook up at a party, time itself has, has an issue, and that causes visible distortions in space-time. So when that happens, we're able to actually see it happening. Um, and as early as last year, we've actually started getting photos of black holes um, in front of suns and other planets. So you can see uh, a giant black hole uh, with a planet big enough and bright enough behind it to be like, yep, there's a black hole, the thing that should be impossible to see. We, we didn't think we were ever going to encounter something like that. But also, uh, it, it brings up the issue that... Uh, Black holes seem to seek each other out, which is a new fun phenomenon. That they're like, you know what, I I, I want to hang out with my peeps. Where 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 are my peeps at? And then they sort of just uh, move towards each other. So there's like black hole next door. When when black holes come together, good things happen. <laughs> my best of black holes account is not taking off the way I expected it to do. <laughs> yeah, a number of troubling things, uh, but we are at the point in human uh, history where. 
we're confirming as of a couple of weeks ago that like we're we're seeing a lot of black holes and they are up to some stuff. That's that's <laughs> totally a good sign. There's no way that can be bad. When the when the black holes start learning, that's obviously a good thing. So um so here's my carrying into the void. I know you can feel invisible. As big as I am, I've been there too. You feel like you're maybe taking up too much space, inconveniencing others, and you'd prefer to slink away if that were the case. While somehow being too much, you're also too little, and they seem to have failed to notice your presence, sometimes bumping off of you or talking through you or generally coming as across as if they're pretending they can't interact with you. I suppose the problem is that it feels like a fugue state when they suddenly see, as if you were a ghost or a time traveler and suddenly you've just teleported into their vicinity. They seem shocked that they can perceive you, and that can be just as startling. What were you doing wrong? What does this new attention bring with it? But that's not the case. People sometimes just don't know what they're trying to look for or how to look. You've always been doing exactly what you're doing. You've always been exactly who you are. Don't alter your course. Don't change for them. Revel in your depth. Eventually, the others like you will find you. And who knows what could happen if they get too close. Oh, that was great. <laughs> no, you did a good job. This is one of those that in, in research I get reading up on, I was just like, this doesn't feel good. <laughs> there are a number of things that have that I've researched on this show that later on have come to fruition in the world. Uh, it just feels like one of those things that like two years from now, somebody's going to be like, hey, do you hear all this stuff about the black holes? And I'm, I'll be like, I, I did. I looked it up from my funny, dark podcast show with my with my buddies. Uh, that's why I know about the the thing dooming the earth. So I had no idea. That literally is wild. You've, you've definitely taught me something. I appreciate it. What is your self-care into the void this week? I've been looking at ways to do stuff that's not in front of the computer because the computer is a screaming hell box that bad things come out of. And so um, I got for me and my parents, um, oh, it's going to sound nerdy even saying it, um, word searches. Yes. <laughs> and um, there's a company that makes word searches based on like books or movies and stuff. So I got my mom one based on like Jane Austen. And I got my dad one based on Hollywood movies. And I got myself an Edgar Allan Poe one. And then I got another one because I finished it. And it's all like rock music. But the rock music, and I don't know why this is, but it's all like a bunch of like punk bands and like metal bands. And I'm like sitting here doing a word search. And like one of the questions to find is like cannibal corpse. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How is this in a word search? It's been actually really good mentally just to kind of unplug and kind of just like chill, maybe like have TV on or like do it while I'm waiting for something to like finish cooking just so I'm not looking at my phone. So you know what? I suggest a word search or maybe a crossword puzzle. I do the one for the Daily Beast every day, and I find that one to be really fun and also easy because I usually suck at them. So that's what I would suggest. If you want to unplug, try word search or a crossword puzzle. I know it sounds nerdy, but it actually does work. I'm going to be very honest with you as a friend. <laughs> okay. It wasn't that nerdy until you said I got the second one because I already finished <laughs> the first one. I got them back in like December. I finished it like it took me two months to finish it. I wasn't doing it every day. Oh, it made it sound like you'd just recently gotten these and then you just blasted through one and were like, well, time to get another one. No, no. My, my parents are the ones that really went through them very quickly, but both of my parents are retired, so they have the time to do such a thing. Um, but it's been good for everyone. You know, it's it's been a nice activity. So don't knock it till you try it. That's what I'm going to say. How about you? What have you been doing for self-care? 
my self care into the void this week is um yeah, this is gonna sound nerdy. Oh come on. <laughs> But uh, no, 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 you're going to make fun of me. But um, I, I think that uh, if you're listening to this, you should get the vaccine. Just go out and get the vaccine. I, it's a small thing that I think you can do for yourself. It's this little bit of self-care. Uh, yeah, it's a little nerdy, but like it's cool, nerdy, like liking Star Wars. Like everyone does it. Like it's not that nerdy. Yeah, definitely. I think you bring a good point. It's cool to get the vaccine. That's going to be like the new, the, the more you know type of public service announcement. There's going to be someone in like a leather jacket being like hey it's cool to get the vaccine <laughs> it's it's actually been a just a, a nightmare because like i threw my hat, hat in for a vaccine locally and and i did get the first dose already uh but like the rest of my family and my sister were scheduled to go the next day and the next day they all got text messages being like oh uh all out of it sorry or maybe we aren't who knows we don't know when any more is coming and then like the next day, a bunch of my friends got it, but my family's never been rescheduled. So it's just... It's a nightmare. The, the crapshoot nature yeah. of it right now is like, at least if it had some consistency, it would be what it is. And we're in the Midwest. And, you know, it's it's not it's not good that I got up this early because it means that a lot of people just weren't getting it. I uh, had no interest in getting it from the, the much more susceptible classes. So like when I was getting it, I was like, I'm getting it. But like, this doesn't help me get out into the world anytime soon because we're that much further from herd immunity so like uh that is me not feeling bad about getting it at this point but feeling much worse for my future so yeah and it's been it's been hard like i'm trying to schedule it for my family and i've had easier concert buying experiences like i'm using everything i've learned from decades of trying to get concert tickets to try and get a vaccine it's absurd i've gotten tickets for like my chemical romance and like you know iron maiden and like you know, Taylor Swift or Lady Gaga and stuff like that. I've gotten tickets for concerts that are usually like sell out and I can't even get a goddamn vaccine for like my elderly parents. And it's really annoying. I I hope it's going to get better. They said there's going to get, they're making more vaccines. They've ramped up production. Everyone's going to get vaccinated. It's just right now, it's so close. You can taste it, but you can't get there. And it's really frustrating. And that sort of brings me to my uh, lifting into the void this week, which is that what I'd recommend everyone take a look at this book, uh, Curtains, uh, 84 <laughs> Concert Visions uh, to Benefit Save Our Stages. It is a flash fiction anthology that you and I edited with 84 people, including some real big names from the lit world. People have loved it. It's been out for a week and we have been pimping it on the show for almost a month now yep. without it being released. So like this is the culmination of that. It is actually real and available on Amazon as a Kindle book or as uh, an actual physical paperback copy. I'm just so wildly proud of all the work you did on this and all the people that came together to make this happen as a benefit for concert venues and musicians, because uh, as, as Megan was saying, the end of this is close enough we can taste it. It's probably a ways off here in America, but like it feels like we're going to get back there soon. And uh, the idea of losing concert venues that struggled through all this for a whole year in the last couple of months, just uh, that feels like twisting the blade in the way that I hate. So uh, we wanted to do something to send some money their way and try to help uh, see concerts again at, at some point in the future. So the the whole point of the book is that it's different takes on what people think the last concert might look like, which uh, is a really depressing way of looking at this sometimes. But there's uh, plenty of funny stuff. It was it is a book that was uh, created with the thrust to fall in line with sort of the tone of this show of a, of a dark positivity where possible. If you're listening to this, you'd probably like this other thing. I'm so proud of it, like you said, and you did such an incredible job. I, I'm just 
over the moon about it. And I can't believe that we got so many people along with us. It's just wild. I keep just looking at like the image of it on Amazon and just being like stunned. I'm just really proud of it. And I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of everyone who came along with us. And it's good to do some good in the world. And it feels good that we we did a thing that is a nice good thing in a world where nice good things are hard and sometimes, you know, they don't happen. This happened. And I'm really, really pleased about that. So please go check it out. Um, it supports a very, very good cause. And you get 84 really good stories in it. You know, you can't lose. I like our co-host, Jordan. I just keep refreshing the Amazon page waiting for reviews to come in. So if you are listening and you get it, you definitely should review it. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that please, out there. Please, please help me. Give us... <laughs> please give Jordan something so that he'll stop being in the, the group chat, being like, hey, there are no reviews yet. It's like, we know, buddy. It's okay. There are going to be reviews at some point. We're, we all want to be acknowledged and told we did a good job, but we did. We did do a good job. And reviews just help you also get uh, higher up in the search results. So we get some more people to join us in this charity endeavor, which also is not a bad thing. But also reviews are good. So <laughs> if you like it and um, you approve of what we did and, and you had a good time with it, then, you know, you don't have to leave a huge, you know, multi-paragraph review, but just, you know, a sense or two saying that you enjoyed it can't hurt. I, like Megan, hope that you approve of what we did. That is the bar for me for you enjoying the book. If you approve of what we did, why don't you close this show out so we can go take our feelings elsewhere? <laughs> All right. Well, remember, keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many. And we'll see you next time in the void. Bye. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> <laughs>